Hi, everyone. Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. We have a really exciting interview for you today with a small, small arms dealer. Today, we are joined by Tarek. Hello, boys and girls. And Garrett, the Gaylord. Hey, everyone. So today is going to be our very first interview ever, and I think it's a really good start. We're certainly going to try our best, and we hope that everybody enjoys it. So we're very, very happy to and, and, and glad to welcome Aisha from CHS Guns to Welcome to the Gun Show. Uh, to tell you a little bit about uh, Aisha, um, <laughs> the small, small arms dealer grew up in the gun industry. Her grandfather started the, the shop in, in the mid-70s, and then her dad took it over and ran dad's toys. He sold that, and, and it was dormant for a little bit. And then about 10 years ago, Aziza revived it as CHS Guns and Ammunition. Sorry, I almost got that wrong. Um, so that's been running for 10 years, and it's a bit of a boutique shop. It's not a, a general sort of store. It's a bit more of a specialized store. Um, Aziza grew up around firearms and got involved in pin shooting for a, an early age. And if you don't know Aziza, she's about the same size as a pin. Um, She's a qualified PFTC instructor, so that's the Professional Firearms Trainers Council. And Aziz is well known for getting involved, getting women and, and ladies, whatever the politically correct term, motivated, assisted, and involved in, in self-defense use of firearms and in sports shooting. So uh, welcome to the show, Aziz, and thank you very much. Hi, thank you so much for having me. A uh, bunch of hooligans. <laughs> and it's Aziz. Aisha. It's not Aisha. No. <laughs> but thank you very much for the intro. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on here. And uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed uh, listening to the podcast that you've released up until now. Thank you very much. Up until now being the key word. Like, from this point forward, you'll never listen to us again. <laughs> I mean, we don't. <laughs> well... So we thought we'd get Aziza on the show today for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that Aziza works in the retail side of the gun show industry. And I think a lot of gun people are are interested in that side of the industry. Sometimes they have some very romantic ideas about it, uh, which I'm fairly sure Aziza is going to dispel some of them for us. Uh, the other thing is she has the, the particular talent of being someone who is sort of of the wrong gender running a gun shop. Uh, which also comes with its own special challenges. So that's what we that's one of the big things we want to chat to Aziza about. There's a whole lot more to it. And we're not just interested in Aziza because she's a girl, um, but that does add to the appeal. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Aziza, tell us a little bit about what made you decide that you wanted to suffer through running a gun shop uh, and some of the challenges that that you know, retail gun shops suffer in this country and in, and in this day and age, especially in the era of the Rona, but in general. Right. So I actually ended up in the trade as a bit of an accident. Um, <laughs> I did not study anything along the lines of, of firearm uh, related stuff. I am actually a qualified jeweler. And uh, <laughs> yes, did you not know that? I was not aware. Like Bill Wilson. Yes. Sorry. So, well, I actually got involved in it accidentally. So my, my dad founded Dad's Toys and my grandfather had started the gun shop many years before that. Um, but basically, I revived it all to get rid of some of the collectibles that we had gathered over the years. Um, we had a safe or a vault full of interesting firearms. And one day I got 
tired of seeing them all lying there. So I started digging through them, did a bit of research and kind of put them out there and started advertising things. Um, not really with the intention to, to get the whole dealership back up and running again, but that's what ended up happening. Um, developed some really good relationships with, with some of my suppliers. Um, Tarek having helped there as well with Glock, if I'm allowed to add that. <laughs> But yeah, so <laughs> it is my one of choice. So yeah, I've always been involved in the industry somehow. I mean, I started with pin shooting at an early age, and I can remember handling firearms from from a super super young age. But yes, running the gun shop was not really something I planned, but it got really fun. Um, as you say, it doesn't come without its challenges. So we are inundated with paperwork on a daily basis and um, it, it can get challenging. You you kind of lose yourself in in the daily runnings sometimes and it, uh, you, you lose a bit of your passion for the, the sport and the, the firearms. But all in all, it's, it's still what I would rather be doing. Um, it's yeah, a real job. That's, that's how I got involved in it. I, I then decided to take it one step further and we moved from a tiny little small holding into bigger premises where we've slowly but surely been, been growing steadily. And uh, until recently, I was there, uh, not on my own, but we were relatively small. And we've just welcomed two, well, actually three new companies into our fold, which oh, is... Uh, yeah, so the, I'll get on to the bunker concept shortly, but we've essentially created a whole conglomerate of companies under one roof um, that all seem to complement each other fairly well. Um, the first one being Wild Medics, um, run by Walter Mayer and his team. They specialize in your first aid training. They do uh, first responder training in a tactical sense as well. Um, they advise you on how to use tourniquets properly, <laughs> which in our industry is probably a good thing. <laughs> you can't put them around people's necks. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> so it's, it's Wild Medics. Um, a couple to Wild Medics is Ventureforth. They do a whole bunch of interesting courses, including climbing courses, mountaineering, uh, it all, all kind of plugs into the outdoor, outdoor world. And then we have CKCS, which we took over about a year ago. Um, that's Carter Custom Carry Solutions. And that is our custom, custom Kydex manufacturing business, Ooh. holster manufacturing business. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and that, uh, that's that been doing quite well as well. It's a, a really established um, older brand was started by Jeff Carter many, many years ago, and he is fondly known of in this industry as the master of Kydex. So we, we try and do his designs justice, and so far, no complaints. Um, it's, it's quite convenient. We now have sort of like a one-stop shop which we've also expanded into an outdoor section. So pretty soon we will be able to offer a wide variety of products. It's an interesting place. Lots and lots of gadgets. And where is the shop? 
the shop is based in in Somerset West in Main Road, Somerset West. We um, we're at one fifty nine, but uh, we're a little hidden. We're down a little alleyway, so it's sometimes easier for people to give us a shout and and we'll pop them the directions. Um, but it is it is on Google Maps as well, so it's relatively easy to find there. Um, basically, we we're starting to go by the name of CHS Bunker because the bunker houses all of the businesses and it's easier to refer to. So CHS Bunker. And that also includes your your online presence as well? Yes, the online presence is a a bit of a working project at the moment um, because the the outdoor section expanded a little faster than we had anticipated. Um, So we will shortly have... a more comprehensive website set up. At the moment, it is still chsguns.coza. Um, it's not, um, it's up to date, but it needs a bit of work. So that's C for candy, H for hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> and S for <laughs> Swazeranica. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I, I almost said something else. <laughs> <laughs> So when did the bunker start? Yeah. When when did you decide to? I understand that it's it's when you acquired the other businesses, but uh, when was that? The idea of the bunker was born a long time ago, um, but it only sort of came into effect in December, uh, so December twenty nineteen. Um, it uh, yeah, it it all grew very quickly, but but here we are. And especially under the present circumstances, we decided to branch out into into a couple of different options, uh, but still relating to the industry. We're also busy with a super exciting project um, around dry fire, but I'm not going to reveal any secrets yet. Um, something to look forward to. And then what we also <laughs> what we also started was a, a series of informative interviews. Um, I was approached about the idea a couple of times and I don't really enjoy the online presence, but here I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we, a friend of mine pitched the idea to me and, and eventually under lockdown, we decided to give it a go. Essentially, we were collecting a whole bunch of interesting people to uh, discuss various subjects with. And uh, we've so far had Walter from Wild Medics on, of course. And then we've been running a, a couple of episodes with Max Rosley from Motivus and Francois de Kock, who is a criminal attorney. And they've I'm been... Francois is going to love that. I'm pretty sure you could leave that part in the interview. <laughs> that, that is staying in. That is absolutely staying in. No comment. <laughs> so they've uh, Max and Francois have been together with me, taking a couple of subjects uh, in the firearms world and and tackling them from a legal perspective. So it it was meant to draw new people into our industry and get them involved in the process of applying for firearms and giving them a bit of a background of, of our world. But it then evolved very quickly into a couple of interviews where we had quite in-depth discussions about the legalities. Um, 
So whether or not you may carry your sporting firearm for self-defense and um, what happens after a a shooting or a self-defense shooting, uh, the practicalities behind that, the legalities behind that. And it's it's taken off quite nicely. People keep asking for more. So we will keep giving them. I've been following also, They're fascinating. And, you know, to, to to get that much time from a couple of attorneys would cost you a lot of money generally. So it's really nice of them to make the effort as well, you know, to give up their time like that. For sure. And we found as well that so often we're seeing the same questions pop up on all the various forums. Um, and people are often too scared to give a comprehensive answer or they're not qualified to do so. So you have the same questions lingering on these forums and no one's really giving a, well, people try and give a clear cut answer, but we figured we'd condense it all and put it into one spot, easy for people to find and answer it from a, an expert point of view. Oh, you actually live stream those, correct? Those are not pre-recorded and then go online. You guys actually sit and answer things live. We, li- we live brave. stream them. So we have to, we have to behave. There's no cutting anything out. <laughs> and quite honestly, I don't think I'd be brave enough to go back and edit two hours worth of interviews every time. Especially when they don't want to do that. That is, yeah, that is a lot of work. For <laughs> and I'm sure if I gave them free reign, <laughs> I'm sure if I gave them free reign, they'd probably go on for at least four hours. <laughs> I'm sure they would. So those are still yeah. live. Well, live. Those videos remain up on CHS Bunker on Facebook. So anyone that needs to go and watch those, everyone needs to go watch those. Uh, that's yes. where they go to find that. So, so tell us, Aziza, the life of, of, of a gun shop owner involves uh, driving to work in your Lamborghini every, every morning, getting to work, playing with guns for four hours, and then rolling around in the bags of cash, then playing with guns again, and then driving to go fly your private chopper. That's what I understand from the internet, how it works. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a jet. It's not a chopper. Uh, ah. But you don't yes. have to drive any of the equipment yourself either. And it's, 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 not, a, it's not a Lamborghini. It's a Ferrari. Uh, Is it red? <laughs> no, it's pink. <laughs> don't, don't joke. I actually... I do have pink guns. So. This is that's fine. We, we we weren't going to mention that in the internet. <laughs> well, so the industry is really not an easy one. Um, like I mentioned before, there is a whole lot of red tape and a whole lot of paperwork behind it. So by the time we've finished all our requirements for for SAPs and submitted all the forms we need to keep submitting and you know, made sure that our registers are all up to date and filled in registers. And, you know, it, it can get, it can get a little hectic. It's, it's not as fun and as glamorous as everyone makes it out to be. Unfortunately, I, I think there's a lot of processes in our industry that could be cut a lot shorter. Um, I think we'd have a lot more time for, for rolling in cash and, and flying jets, but <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that in in the near future. So we'll we'll grin and bear it for now. But yeah, it's we also deal with um, dare I say this online, but but very small margins. People are often quick to complain about the price of firearms, but um, it's yeah, it's not easy. It's uh, gun dealers really do not make a great living. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the, the problem well, is going online, looking at prices overseas and going with a direct conversion and just forgetting all the other costs that are actually involved in doing business. Not only that, but the the products themselves too. I mean, I get wish lists from clients that contain all sorts of fun things. You know, getting them here is virtually impossible. We just mm. we just don't have the market for it, and we don't have the cash or the capital to spend on it. In our industry, it's it's relatively small compared to what you have in the states, I guess. But to put into perspective, I mean, some of the the ladies' holsters that we import and specialize in, the duties on those are horrendous. You're looking at somewhere between 34, 35 and 40% alone on duties. Um, people don't quite, they don't quite grasp the concept, unfortunately. So often we, I think we get seen as, as rip-offs in the gun trade. And, and I think that's where the, the myth comes from, that we're all rolling in cash and driving around our, our Lamborghinis that we hide in the garage. But I can assure you, it really isn't so, <laughs> especially not after lockdown. <laughs> yes, we're all going to be lucky to have bicycles after lockdown. <laughs> oh, it'll help shed the extra weight though. I've had to be in the country for two months in a row thanks to this lockdown, I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, we've been missing your, your brag posts about Italian food. I've been missing Italian food. <laughs> Yeah, I no. should be in Italy or Austria right now. Um, but to get to talk really to sorry, I should have been in the States now, but that all got screwed. Oh, well, yeah. luckily, you guys get to talk to us. Yeah. Yes, there we go. <laughs> we, Always look we are so side. privileged. <laughs> I, I love how I got an apology with the link to this meeting. <laughs> Well, don't you think that it was like required based on what's happened so far? I mean, we're like 20 minutes in and it's already been a disaster. Like, <laughs> I'm sure we have like five minutes of, of worthwhile uh, podcast. Yeah. Well, that's what we specialize in here is like, being professional <laughs> and off. cutting everything out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, the, the gun trade is, is definitely not an easy one to be in. Um and dare I say, it's it's not easy as a woman. You know, I think, how do I put this nicely? Uh, there's not very many of us around yet. And predominantly, men are not used to dealing with women behind the counter in a gun shop or on the phone even. Um, so we, we get a couple of phone calls a week where uh, I answer and I get asked is, there's someone that can help with parts. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not always very direct. And then I, you know, well, can, that can I speak be, to the man in charge? <laughs> but then it's no, they need advice on gun parts. Yep. Still me. But it's, it's, it's a Glock. It's, uh, it's got an issue. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they try really hard not to say what they actually want to say. <laughs> but I end up helping them. And I think for the most part, people are are surprised and, and thankful and a little amazed that that there are women in the gun industry that, that know what they're talking about. Um, I have yet to meet a woman in the industry that doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, I think women are awesome in our industry and they also shoot really well. Um, it's because we listen and we can't. You don't make enough sandwiches, though. 
No, we really don't. <laughs> well, not for you. That's because you're used to the fancy, the fancy Italian food. Um, <laughs> but I, I have had on the odd occasion, I've had um, someone walk in and go, uh, is there a man I can speak to? That's pretty uh, direct, but, like that. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Uh, you know, the first couple of times you you're not quite sure what to say, and you you stare at them for a while, and yeah, the the last time was um, was interesting. It was uh, <laughs> he, he got a bit of a mouthful. Shame. He he was very understanding afterwards when he realised that that I know what a gun is, but um, <laughs> it is. It's a little a little funny to see that we we're still a, a rarity. Um, just odd because the ladies have really taken off. I mean, I deal with a lot of women in uh, in the shooting world. Um, a lot of women who don't necessarily take part in sports shooting, but are starting to arm themselves for self defence. Um, they do the courses. They're there. We just don't often get to see them. And they they include mothers and elderly women, and it's a whole variety. You'd be very surprised. So I've had a few ladies contact me since we started the show asking about advice on carry guns and things. And it's like, I, I can help you to a certain degree, but at some point you need to go and speak to someone who is not me. Um, <laughs> I just, I, really I, I don't have the same carry parts that you have. And as a result, I don't carry the same way that you do. Shame. That being said, I, I do get men in the shop that want to talk about holsters and they get very awkward. And then I realize it's only because of the, them wanting to discuss appendix with another man <laughs> for good reason. It's because you can't understand the thought of shooting yourself in the balls. <laughs> but, but carry as much as they, they are, are um similarities and for the most part it's you know a universal subject there there are differences um we or women are firstly shaped a little differently we also tend to dress differently so for for most of us to adjust our wardrobe significantly to suddenly accommodate a firearm and a magazine and whatever else you want to be carrying on you um it's not easy to to do that mindset change it's it's a little easier for men um you guys can buy a slightly bigger shirt size and or bigger pants size and it's it's different um so i started looking at the the belly band options a good couple of years ago um and i came across two brands the the undertech belly band and then the can can concealment brand both of which we import now and the can can concealment Belly band is something that I personally wear probably 99% of the time. Um, I use it with my Glock 42 and with my Glock 19. And it's a super, super comfortable way of carrying, especially for the larger firearms. It's got a really skinny profile to it. So for us to to wear a Kydex holster is just, or leather, because apparently leather is, is also making a comeback. Um, but like good leather. Exactly. I, I it has to be good leather. leather. I, I really leather. like a leather holster. Um, <laughs> so it smells like a new car. <laughs> yes. Only for a short while. 
<laughs> yes, I was going to say, after two years, though, it starts uh, smelling a little funky. Um, <laughs> starts smelling like its owner. That's why I don't sniff. So the, <laughs> hey, I get handed all sorts of stuff over the counter sometimes. <laughs> there is nothing worse than having to deal with someone's gun that has obvious DNA in it. In the slide serrations are inside the gun where there is like, there's enough sort of skin cells that you could build a small human. Uh, yeah. This, yeah. Is the, this is the point where I say that Terex services my Glocks and I like, <laughs> insist on carrying them appendix Oof. in nice sweaty conditions before I take it in. Because he always Terex appreciates that. Preparation. No, which, he is, appreciates which, that. Which, which, which is why we have junior staff to do the hands-on <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I, I won't lie. Every time I have to do a, a site change, I, I disinfect people's files. <laughs> And, and that's not because of the Rona. That's that's been a thing like forever. Because people are them. to the Rona <laughs> and degunk them. I don't know what people do to their Glocks, but they believe in putting every type of lube in there. That sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> that's a revolting cock song that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, getting getting back to the the whole stick, ladies' whole stick carry style. Um, the so the Kydex holsters also often, well, more often than not, rely on you wearing a, a decent pair of pants and a belt. And I mean, I'm of the belief that tights count as pants, so there goes the belt. Um, that is Mark Room. I know. He's on pictures. <laughs> no, so he doesn't just send those to me. <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh, <laughs> no, I get them too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, we, we, well, I at least spent a lot of time, you know, trying all sorts of different holsters. I've got a whole cupboard full of holsters. And there's some really decent non-belly band options in there, but somehow I keep defaulting back to the belly bands and, and we help a lot of ladies with that. Um, incidentally, I managed to wear my belly band holster up until I was about eight and a half months pregnant. Um, that's that's how versatile it is. And I, it was not a small belly. <laughs> 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 it, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it got a little awkward in the vault for a while because <laughs> very narrow shelves <laughs> so, so getting a gun out from the back was a uh, hang on give me a couple hours <laughs> all right um, but, uh, my, yeah, my the, mind the, the mental images are <laughs> <laughs> there are pictures and videos which i will never share <laughs> I like how you tell us that there is and then say you'll never share it. I mean, you fit right in here. Yeah, we'll get Jock to, to hack your device. Uh, no. I don't want anything Jock shares. <laughs> this actually Shame. quite. Yeah. Yeah, Serious face. Serious face. I think this also quite nicely ties into to something we discussed uh, in, our, in our EDC shows. And 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 you know, I think it was Michael Bain who, who kind of coined first coined the term mm -hmm. gun owner version 2.0. Uh, 
there's long been this perception that that gun owners are generally conservative middle-aged men with pot bellies who carry a gun under a fishing vest. Uh, and that's rapidly changing. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if that, that, that stereotype is, is the minority nowadays. I think we've got a, a lot of people now carrying guns who don't look like people's image of a gun owner um, because there is no sort of universal cookie cutter gun owner. And I think it's it's important that those people can get advice from someone who's not going to say to them, well, just put on this really sexy, cocky fishing jacket over your clothes to hide your gun. Uh, because as we said in that show, some people can't change the way they dress like that. And some people just <laughs> don't want to, um, you know, if, if, mm. if, and it's not just girls. Some people like to look good. I mean, I don't have that problem because I'm ugly, but but some people like to look good and they like to dress in a way that they feel good. And to tell them that you have less of a right to self-defense because you're not prepared to wear a gun burka everywhere you go uh, is is ridiculous. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, the, the guys in corporate, um, they're definitely on the increase. Um the ladies, the I mean, people are also starting to realize the hazard of, of carrying a firearm in your handbag. Um, something I still see a lot of is um, men choosing guns for women. Um, <laughs> it's it's very sweet because I think it comes from a good place, but often it uh, it ends up being an interesting juggle. Um, we get a lot of cases in where either either a guy comes in on his own and wants to choose a gun for his significant other, um, or they come in as a couple and it it turns into a mess because they're upset with me because I've now convinced the wife to take a whole different gun and a whole different holster. Um, no, I'm kidding. Often they're they're very happy with the advice, um, but yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> It, uh, it is, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it gets really complicated to find a gun that suits a particular person's needs, not even specifically a lady, but, you know, to go, th- I think that's where, where we do quite well as more of a boutique gun shop is because we have a little bit of time to spend with a client and figure out what their needs are and how we can accommodate that as best as possible. and provide them with something that still has capacity, but, you know, conceals well. Because um, that, I, I think, often is a challenge. I, I think that's a, an excellent point um, and a really good reason to support smaller firearms dealers uh, because of the individual attention that you you could get from them. Um, some of the, the larger gun shops, you typically spend a long time standing around waiting for someone to assist you. And uh, they, they really don't have sufficient time to spend with you because a very large custom base, lots of people waiting. Uh, that's, a, that's a really yeah. good reason to support the smaller shops and get really fantastic first-hand experience from people who actually carry guns and understand what it's about. And I think on that, on, on either big shops, small shops, medium shops, is, <coughs> is chatting to people in the gun shop who actually know what they're talking about. Uh, there yeah. are a, a fair, you know, people forget that a, a lot of gun shops are open on weekends. So a lot of gun shop staff like guns. They don't get a chance to shoot guns, often not through no fault of their own, but because they're at work. Um, and some of them are, you know, it's 
some of them are, are, are experts in certain fields. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember a very a late friend of mine who, when it came to clay pigeon shooting or clay target shooting, I think it's called now, was one of the most knowledgeable human beings that you would ever meet. His, he, I mean, he'd, I think he'd come forth in a world championship and he'd shot for two different countries. He was a, when it came to clays, he, his, his knowledge was just hard to believe. When it came to defensive pistols, he was of the uh, woman should get a 38 snub because it's simple. And it's one of those things that always fascinates me because I, I see this as well. And I'm, I'm not a woman, as you can tell by my sexy voice. Um, really? <laughs> wow. Uh, that, uh, you know, some, someone, a, a man will meet his wife at a gun shop. She's just driven there in a motor car with his children in the car, um, which is a fairly complicated piece of machinery. Um, she works in IT, and we need to get her a revolver because they're simple. And she, you know, women's brains overheat a little bit if you try and make them work with mechanical things. Um, so we need something simple for them. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, oh, you mean that that's that's not how it works, Aziza? I'll be the first to admit that my favorite gun is indeed a revolver. <laughs> is it a thirty-eight snap? No, it is not. It is an eight-inch three-five-seven. <laughs> but, but yes, I, I think um, sure. It also, I think, it boils down to to training as well. I think nowadays we're quite lucky because there are some really decent trainers that have made themselves available to to people. Uh, and it seems that the community is is taking training a lot more seriously. Yes, like Derek. Um, and so I see a lot more women that aren't as intimidated um, because they have the opportunity to, you know, visit a, a reputable instructor and get the, the training that they need. But yeah, the, the, the amount of people that still come in asking for snubbies, I can understand if, if your budget is, under two grand and that's the only way you're going to get a gun but all means it's it's not a bad gun you're still going to do really well with it in terms of carrying it's probably never going to give up on you um but if it does you sit with so many problems um and there's just so many really really awesome options available new modern options that make a whole lot of sense and are tailor-made for our circumstances these days and like you say, it's it's not uh, us as women. We operate all sorts of heavy machinery on a daily basis, including the toaster. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I say that tongue in cheek because I've broken a couple of toasters. <laughs> Was there a an eight inch three five seven involved in breaking toasters, or do they go in some other way? I mean, you you no complete the first attack. I know. But yeah, it. Um, <laughs> you were telling us about uh, yeah. and women's ability to actually operate yeah. machinery. So I find that the the most intimidating factor is usually racking the slide, and once you teach someone the correct technique, there is virtually no way that they can get it wrong. I mean, you can have that gun seize up and you'll still be able to wreck the slide. And once they've gone through that and they have the confidence that they can do it, the 
the I need a snubby part falls away almost instantly. So it's, uh, yeah, it is definitely, definitely advisable. If you have the budget available, look for something that is modern and supported and, you know, suits our lifestyles now. It's, the snubby had its place at some point. Yep. Yeah, and I think I've bought like, I don't know, 15 snubbies this week. So Yeah, this week. Uh, so, <laughs> that's, do, do it, they're, they're, they're not for carry, so we should be fine. <laughs> Except for that one. But yeah. <laughs> that 32 one. Smith & Wesson short ruby. Yeah, uh, but I carry my granddaddy's gun anyway. So. <laughs> do, do you, do you still get... Is, yeah. No, my plan is to get a snubby, but I'm going to have it uh, seracoated and done up to the SpongeBob SquarePants theme. Can you imagine getting killed in the yeah. streets by a like three foot nothing female with a SpongeBob snubby? <laughs> well, I've already made my my other guns are all pink. Well, not all of them. The ten mil is pink because it's ironic. Um, so just, I, I just repeat carry... the what gun? My ten mil. It's ten millimeter auto. It's just one of those mil. ones. It's ten mil. <laughs> Best for, mill. That's even bigger than yeah, for, mine. For the guys who have never shot 10 mil, it's the best mill. I want a Glock 20 like you cannot believe. Um, if only he knew someone who imported Glock. only I knew someone who could sell me one. Uh, if only I knew someone if who only. may have added a Gen 3 G20 SF to a future order. You can only have it if you make it pink. I'll do that. Pink camo, pink multicam, Field. done. I'll carry that. <laughs> All the things. Do, do you still get, because this is something that used to happen occasionally to me when I when I worked behind the counter in a gun shop 150 years ago, where Hubby would come in with his wife and go, okay, we need to buy guns. We've decided, you know, the normal, there was a break-in or whatever, we've decided we need to buy guns. Our budget is 15,000 rand. I want this gun for 13,000 rand. And what can we get for the wife with for the wife with the change? Is that still a thing? Uh. It's very much a thing. <laughs> it's, it's so it, It's actually unbelievable. It, uh, <laughs> I won't lie, more often than not, they walk out having bought the wife the 13,000 rand gun and they're still, you know, <laughs> saving up the balance on their one. <laughs> That's the hazard of bringing them to CHS. But um, yeah, it, it is still very much a thing. I think they, I think for the most part, people see women as still kind of keeping the gun in the safe. So you need a gun and, you know, people realize that it's necessary and it's a, a good thing to have. But there's still this image of, so she's going to get a gun, but she's going to leave it in the safe. Which, if you give me a snubby, I'm going to leave it in the safe because it's just a hassle to carry. Um, but if you, when you, <laughs> when you reason with people <laughs> and you show them the different options um, on on concealment for ladies, then quite often that uh, that whole image changes very quickly. So if they realise that their wife is actually going to carry that firearm and you know, she's the one that's with the kids. She's the one that does the school run. Uh, she's not two meters tall and weighs 120 kilograms. <laughs> you know, it's uh, 
that image really does change. I, I think for the most part, it's it's not it's not malicious on on anyone's part. It's purely it's it's what's been ingrained over the years. Yeah, and is that uh, age old knowledge that's being handed down without actually being assessed and going, does this still make sense, or did this ever make sense in the first place? Because uh, sometimes it depends. Yeah. Sometimes it goes on yeah. with that that phrase that that is sort of fingernails on a chalkboard for me when someone says it's just for self defense. Yeah, it's it's, most, it's the most important thing you'll ever own a firearm for in your life. And someone goes, "I don't need a good gun. I'm not shooting sport. It's just for self defense." You know, when six Wait, people are trying to the... skull fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a gun that works then. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've got to remember, if you uh, rack it, they run away. Like, <laughs> my, my cure for that is that I go into the vault and I pull out the rusted .22 llama from, from the back of the shelf. <laughs> That's just evil. Every gun and, shop has one of. <laughs> one. At least. <laughs> There's worse. I mean, you could go with like a, a Rome revolver. Or <laughs> uh, proof that not all German engineering is the best. But again, I think it's also a lack of, uh, almost a lack of knowledge in, in the field. We're, we're also used to it. We're exposed to it every day. We, we deal with it. We have access to all the information. But for the average gun owner to, you know, take that first leap is hard is i've i've looked at it from a newbie's perspective and alone the the explanations on on how to acquire your first firearm by the time you get halfway through explaining competency the dude's fallen asleep um so i think it's it, it is mostly due to a lack of a lack of knowledge but there, there's so many groups out there now on, on facebook I mean, I think between EDC and Gunsight, um, there's a lot of education that happens there. And for the most part, people are friendly and offer advice and take in the newbies. And I have yet to see a gun owner who refuses to take their friends shooting when they're trying to get into the game. Um, I've even had people in the gun shop, you know, clients that are standing there minding their own business, not... And uh, <laughs> a newbie walks in and, you know, starts asking questions and they don't know each other from a bar of soap. And the guy that's been in, in the industry for ages goes, well, how's about you join us this weekend? We're all going to the range. Come with us and we'll show you the ropes. And that happens quite often. Um so I think once people are, are in the fold and, and they're more educated, then they also tend to stop asking the or, or finding two and a half thousand and snubbies for their wives. Are, are you seeing more and more, and, and we're going to hop on the woman thing because you're a subject matter expert there. Um, <laughs> are we seeing more and more women coming into the shop on their own, not hubby dragging her along and going, you need a gun, but, but women deciding in and of themselves that I need a gun, I need to go do this thing. Um, is that, because that, I mean, that's a necessary market, you know, jokes aside, uh, you probably need a gun to defend yourself more than I do. Um, and, and I think sometimes that gets forgotten. Uh, 
So are, are we are we seeing an increase on that? Is is that is that a is that a thing, or, or are we still in a world where a man drags them in? I would say for every woman that gets dragged in by her husband, there's another woman that comes in on her own. That's a start. Easily. Um, And um, I also see a lot of women whose friends are involved in the firearms game somehow, and they get referred somewhere, they come in on their own. And then my favorite is the ladies who come in looking for a pepper ball gun or a BB gun, and they walk out armed with the knowledge of going to do their competency and end up on the, the track to, for the most part, going to do their, their actual competency and or proficiency training and then going on to buying a firearm. So there's the, the stigma has definitely um, disappeared. Well, not disappeared entirely, but uh, yeah. I, I have a lot of friends who I've been friends with for many years and they've always been anti-gun. And I get the, you know, they give me a hug at a bri, and they go, "Oh my gosh, why are you carrying your gun to a bri?" I go well, you shoot people. Drive here on the M2 in the middle of the night on my own. <laughs> why would I not be carrying a gun? Um, those very same people are now approaching me and asking me how they go about buying a firearm. So these. I, I, it's very rare that I still come across people that have uh, an anti-gun stance. Even the ones who are indifferent um, now rather lean towards, you know, outside of, if you want it, you should be able to have it. And if you don't want it, don't have it. Um, but they're, they're veering away from the, the anti-gun stance. It's, I think that's, that's a problem. Gun people have uh, still perpetuated. People, gun people have a perception that you're either pro or anti. And I think most people don't really care. Um, you know, if the media tells them that evil assault rifles are a problem or evil sniper or whatever the evil gun of the week is, I think that's a concern. But as a general rule, I don't think most people, you know, most people, very few people will you take shooting who will leave anti-gun. They may not want yeah. a gun. They often will. But very few people will go shooting with someone who's responsible, not not someone who thinks guns are powered by brandy. Um, <laughs> but those are a rarity. Uh, yeah, this is your there? first time shooting a gun. Here, shoot my 450 Rigby. Yeah, so here's, here's a shotgun with slugs. I'm going to give my wife a shotgun with slugs. I used to, I used to work in a public shooting range 100 years ago. And uh, something as easily alluded to earlier, as a general rule, women are easier to teach to shoot than men because they're not completely run by testosterone and, and, and they and can ego. Um, and it was it was one of those things where we we had, we actually started watching out because Hubby would bring his wife to the range, he would do provincial shooting where he shot all nine provinces at the target. She would listen to a little bit of advice, start out shooting him, and what did he do? Then he wants to pull out the three five seven Magnum and give her full power three five seven or a shotgun loaded with full power slugs for no other reason than his ego is hurt because she's shooting better than him, um, and now he must uh, he must show her. Who is the man? Uh, so that's one of the most damaging things you can ever do to anyone. Something that's very interesting on that is if you step them up through calibers, typically the bigger calibers doesn't bother them. Um, yeah. so we, we know that you shoot big calibers, Aziza, but I took my cousin shooting. Girl, I think it's her second time ever shooting. And we started shooting a little 22 Walther. And uh, she stepped up from the 22 to a Glock 19. 
then she was shooting an edge and 40 shooting my match ammo. And then she was shooting 140 <laughs> grain. Um, we know we need to chrono him for his stuff. <laughs> 357 SIG full power ammo. And <laughs> that was her favorite gun of the day was shooting a little 229 that kicks like a mule just because that wasn't the first thing that she shot in the day. That, that wasn't her introduction to shooting. If you're a dick and you hand them something stupid the first time and you don't show them what it does, they're going to hate it. And that's, that's on you. Like, don't do that. And that's people in general. Uh, that's not just female yeah. shooters. So, yeah, it, so, I, I totally agree. That initial yeah. um, introduction is incredibly important for anyone who's looking at getting into gun ownership. Yeah, and I, I don't believe that anybody should start with anything other than a .22, quite honestly. If it's available to you, use the .22 first. Step it up from there. I mean, you, you want to be going... Ideally, you want to be going through a couple of dry fire options first. Um, but you want to get the fundamentals right. Which, and, and that's where we often struggle is by the time that people reach us and they have bad habits and they have fears, those fears are already so deeply seated that it takes you forever to get back to the fundamentals and the basics. So, yeah, if, if you can start as low as possible, then definitely. And I think that that brings us on to the sort of the the next topic, which is you've alluded to your ATEM three five seven, and you've alluded to your G twenty. Um, for people who don't know what pin shooting is, uh, to give you a brief idea, it's the bowling pins you throw bowling balls at, or, or you bowl bowling <laughs> balls at. Um, and what you have to do is you have to blow them a meter off the back of a table. Uh, so it's it's a it's a sport that requires quite powerful rounds. Um, you know, it's it like a nine a normal nine mil is not going to do that sort of reliably. So tell us a little bit about the pin shooting. Tell us what got you into that and and um, so it's it's not it's not as cool as the rest of you with your your exit. But and and often people kind of look at you like you're a little odd. I mean, why would you want to shoot at bowling pins? <laughs> 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 it really is fun. Um, it was originally founded by uh, Richard Davis from a company called Second Chance Body Armor. So I think he he used it um, for testing more than anything else, and it was a, a fairly informal sport at the time. Um, but the idea behind it is that so pins are quite dynamic. I mean, they they have all sorts of curves to them. They're <laughs> They're quite heavy, uh, especially once you've shot at them a couple of times. They get very heavy after a 10 mil's been at them. My fellow sports people hate me. Um, but the idea is that you have pins that are um, positioned on a, call it a table. Um, our main events have got two tiers. So you've got two pins on the top tier and three at the bottom. And the meter, like Tarek said, ugh, the table, the table, as Tarek said, is almost a meter deep. Three feet. Yeah. So you have um, different firearms that are better suited for different categories, different formations of pins on the table. At, there's various events. But the idea is to clear the pins off the table. And on most of the events, you've got a... Um, uh, um, capacity that you need to stick to 
before you can reload. So um, on your five pin option, for instance, you, you're limited to an eight round magazine at a time. I think they're busy changing that rule, but something along those lines. Um, and it is actually incredibly hard to shoot those pins totally off the table unless you're hitting them in their sweet spot. You end up having to shoot it a couple of times while it's lying down uh, and it becomes a more oddly shaped and smaller target every time. Sometimes they're like spinning around in circles while you're <laughs> swearing at them. But um, it's a very, very fun sport. It's it's deceiving because you're only about 7.6 meters away from your target. But considering that you have to get them off the table and your sweet spot is only, what, about five by five centimeters, realistically. It's like a credit card, really. It, yeah, it's, it's very small. Um, and the, I mean, there's an, a fairly fun core event we have, which they call the nine pin tip over. It's essentially nine pins that are, are all um, next to each other on the table, but they're placed at the back of the table. So as the, the name alludes to, it's a tip over. You don't have to clear the whole pin off the table. It just falls off the back once you've hit it, of course. So a lot of the top shooters tend to just get a, a kind of cadence going and they're not, no longer really aiming at anything, but it's beautiful to watch because those pins just drop with rhythm. Um, and you have, I mean, the, the top guys, if you're not getting nine pins off in five to six seconds, then you're not doing particularly well. That's less, less than a second for a pin, which is quite fast. It was quite funny when I when I tried out IPSC a few times, people laughed because I kept trying to, you know, shoot the target again and again because I was missing the A zone and they go, just move on. Better <laughs> 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 didn't hit the center. <laughs> How many times do I shoot this paper before it falls off the table? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like Tarek said, they do tend to be fairly, um, actually not that powerful firearms, but they the pins are, when they haven't been pumped full of lead, they're about 1.6 kilos. Um, and to get 1.6 kilos to travel a meter off the table, is you do need a fair amount of power behind that. So the popular caliber choices tend to be your 45, your 10 mil auto, um, 357. Um, some guys, some guys go for a 40 Smith & Wesson, but it's not, not ideal. Um, Short and weak option. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Garrett is the expert in short and weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bearing in mind that I shoot, I, I generally shoot a really big, heavy steel nine millimeter <laughs> loaded yes. on the bottom end of nine millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got some fun ones. Uh, what people also forget about is that pins um, here in South Africa was actually. Um, we started developing it to include a whole bunch of firearms. So even though we have our core events, which encompass mostly hand, well, actually only handguns, um, we have what we call elective events. And there you have almost free reign. I mean, you have shotgun, both semi-auto and, and manually operated. And then rifle-wise, you start at 0.22 and you go all the way up to 
think quite literally one of the definitions is any shoulder fired rifle. Um, so <laughs> you can imagine, I mean, it could get quite fun. Um, <laughs> we should we, shoot people. an event with shotgun tea. Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, we've had people pitch up to pins sporting a 50 Desert Eagle. So, um, you are in the Western Cape, though. <laughs> <laughs> Was it gold? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, um, we've got all sorts of guns that we motivate underpins, and it gets really fun. Shotgun is, um, we also shoot that at the same distance as, as the handgun events. Um, but we've got forced reload events there. And then when it comes to the rifles, we're shooting anything between 50 and 150 meters. Um, also at pins, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very dynamic sport. It, it's interesting. It's also a sport I ever shot. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I, I shot the jacketed sport first. I shot, <laughs> I shot pins. I even shot pins in Cape Town a couple of times at nationals back in the day. Uh, when Aziza was probably in primary school, because as we've discussed. No, at that point, I was the person putting the pins back onto the table for you. No, when I did it, we had to put our own pins on the table. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> now, now that most of our juniors are grown up, we don't have people to, to put pins onto tables for us anymore. But when we were the youngsters, we were the ones that had to run back and forth putting everybody's pins back. <laughs> so that is an excellent way to, to go to uh, the cost involved in getting started in pins. So I think it's, it, it's probably not a cheap sport when you get serious, but it's probably one of the more accessible ones in terms of costs to get started because there's no need for uh, tons of magazines. Uh, there's no need for a holster. She's pulling her face like, I don't know what I'm talking about, which might be true. So we're going to let her jump in here with us. <laughs> Remember, is in the retail gun game. You need all the magazines. <laughs> but that's why she well, points them to Epsic because there you do. Like, and the brightly colored clothes. Mind. I actually think we use more mags and pins, to be honest. Um, well, unless you, you shoot super fast and you're really good at what you're doing. But uh, for part, us, us average people, um, we go through a fair amount of mags. I use way. a lot of mags. Can <laughs> <laughs> I practically but, keep, keep in mind that we, we don't only have... Uh, so if, on one detail, you shoot three tables. Um, you have... I think at the moment they're very strict. They shout at us now. I think we only have 30 seconds between tables to get our, our goods ready. Um, it, it used to be very relaxed. You used to be able to meander onto your next table and then slowly load a magazine. Now you get pressed for time. So the general rule is that we, we tend to have at least two mags per table. In case something goes wrong with one mag, you can dump it and use the next one. Um, and then we have our, our forced reload events that they're busy changing now as well. So, yeah, you're looking at mags, you're looking at feed loaders for your revolvers, um, you're looking at loading blocks. You, it, it's a lot of ammo that you go through in a day. Uh, for the most part, most people end up shooting at least three different calibers. Um, and I think there is a bit of a push now for, for people to shoot all the core events. It used to be relatively easy to pitch up and, you know, you shoot with whatever you have, but the sport is getting quite serious and we're 
I think the, the aim is to get it to be a little less informal. So yeah, it, it's not cheap. Um, it really isn't. I think, I think IPSC is probably a cheaper option. That's interesting. So obviously the, the, I've only shot it once and obviously the event that I attended then was uh, substantially less formal than sounds like the general direction of the sport is. Yeah. So there, there goes your opportunity to like get a whole bunch of juniors into like, like reset pins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, now. But, you know, the, <laughs> the young crowds don't like pins. I think it's because we stand still, but we, we also have, we do have events, more fun events that, um, it's quite cool. It's called Rolling Thunder. Um, so on some of our events, we'll have a, an elective afterwards where you have three different tables, but each table is a different firearm. So you would start off with your nine mil, go on to your 45, and then finish with your shotgun. And it literally sounds like a rolling thunder. Um, but there's typically not much movement that happens. And I think the younger crowd now quite enjoys the stages um, in Epsic. So they get to, you know, strategize and move around. But a sport like pins is still important. It, it stresses a different set of skills to what is typically stressed for, for us in EPSIC. Um, we, we need to be accurate, but we don't need to be quite as pinpoint precise as you guys to get the pins off. It's an incredible skill. But that's why a lot of the guys that started off in pin shooting and, you know, their fundamentals come from pin shooting, they tend to do really, really well at something like EPSIC because they're used to being rushed. I mean, we, we have a time limit. So you don't get time. You have 40 seconds. If after the 40 seconds, you haven't knocked all your pins off, every single pin that's still up there counts against you. So there is that it's a different pressure. Um, so you are pressured for time and you're pressured to be very accurate under that time. So the guys doing pins do do really well under EPSIC for the most part. And I'd love to see more young people getting involved in it. Um, I think it's an awesome sport and there's a lot of opportunity in most of the clubs for you to kind of grab onto somebody and they'll mentor you because we're, we're always desperate for members. <laughs> Minions to reset pins. <laughs> I won't lie. We, we might not let you go again. <laughs> so, so if someone but wants to do shoot. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were done. No, go for it. If someone wanted to shoot the 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 core event, so if, if someone was going to come to match and they wanted to shoot the core events, what guns would they need? What's the bare minimum they could? So if someone decides they're going to start shooting pins, what is the bare minimum they need to to run in the in the core events at least? Currently, you'd be looking at uh, some kind of nine mil. Um, I would say your Glock 19 is sort of the smallest smallest I'd go there. Um, if you want a decent sight radius and you want the mag capacity, um, then you'd be looking at at least a 45 caliber of some kind and then a revolver. It used to be that you had an advantage with an, an eight-shot revolver because one of the events is eight pins. So to reload, you'd be at a disadvantage with a, a six-shot revolver, but I believe they're changing some of the rules there. So even with your your six-shot revolver, whatever you choose, um, and there, there are still some decent ones out there secondhand, um, you can get a, a fairly nice 
Taurus, uh, even some Smith & Wesson secondhand in, in the six-shot option. Um, so that would be your, your bare minimum to be able to shoot all the core events. Awesome. So you can get rolling relatively cost-effectively. You know, you, you may not be winning. Yeah. Can you still shoot? I know back in the day you could shoot stock gun and pin gun with a revolver. Uh, is that still an option? I'm going to lie if I answer that, um, because again, I think that is something that's being re-looked at in the rules. Um, I think they will probably still keep it as such. Um, I hope so, but I, I can't can't promise that. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, just for guys who, who who do want to try and get involved and who do want to try and mm. um, you know try and get in. You've got to get started. So you know, it's like three gun. A lot of people don't realize. It, they they talk about oh I want to shoot three gun and they don't realize to shoot three gun well they need three guns. Uh, <laughs> name. There's a hint. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, for the most part, though, again, a lot of the pin shooters have more than one firearm for each event because we do apply for backup guns and all sorts of stuff. So. It's very, very rare that you'd pitch up and somebody doesn't offer for you to be able to use one of their firearms under their supervision at least a few matches while you get all your stuff sorted. So it's not a, I wouldn't say that if you pitch up there with only a nine mil, they're going to turn you away. In fact, I think it will be the opposite. They'll, they'll welcome you with open arms and help you get the rest. Remember, boys and girls, ammunition costs money. So uh, if you're going to be shooting someone else's gun and ammo, uh, that, 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 that's not for free. Uh, please don't expect them to just keep <laughs> supplying you ammo until such a time as you've got a new gun. Really? <laughs> I was about to go start shooting like pins permanently. It's going to fix up with my ears and my eye protection. Hello. <laughs> I'm new to shooting. Can you tell me how this works? <laughs> but, but Tarek, don't you get that all the time? I mean, you're a gun dealer, so can't you take me shooting? And then oh, you yeah. know, but you take a couple of people shooting, and when you look again, your safe's empty. Because then what I've got to do is I've got to stop making snow angels in all the ammunition, and I've got to <laughs> pour it in a bucket. Uh, <laughs> I've got to put pants on, then I've got to pour it in a bucket. Uh, this is what he keeps that rusty twenty-two llama for: is to uh, <laughs> if it doesn't work, you can't spend any ammo. <laughs> so just, just out of interest, sake, the uh, sort of governing body for pin shooting do they have a website that people can go to to go and find clubs if yes they... i actually opened it up here uh to she's far everybody... too well prepared for this podcast of course she right is, yeah. right it's a paper I, I had order a... okay so the the governing body is, is sapsif which is the south african pin shooting federation but the website is sa pinshooting.com so sa for south africa pinshooting.com and it's dot .com not dot .coza not dot .coza dot .com so you can go take a look there we did have a facebook page and my facebook page got uh, zucked oh yeah facebook is horrible for anything gun related so yeah they it was really sad they didn't even give up <laughs> to download any of the pictures that members had uploaded over the years and it it's just all gone. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook is the worst for, for anything unrelated. Um, I do not envy people who try and run 
firearm businesses using Facebook because they often get taken down for no reason whatsoever and no chance to like defend yourself. It's just gone. Quick plug from our side. The Defensor Forum will happily share pin shooting stuff if anyone wants to discuss pin shooting there. Yep. Forum.defensor.co.za. Everyone's welcome. Brilliant. We don't have any pin shooting people there at the moment. It's a new forum. It's it's pretty quiet, but uh, it's pretty new. So it's it's still building a bit of momentum. But uh, if anyone wants to have a chat there without worrying about getting zucked, they might get corned, but they won't get zucked. Um, then uh, I'll keep the corning to a, to a minimum. <laughs> Okay, so um, I don't have any experience with it, but we'd like to sort of hear some of your feedback and what you learned about having to deal with and carry your gun with having your baby and having to deal with it. It it is a challenge. My 511 bag is now a diaper bag. It's a... It's a maze and a mess of uh, uh, diapers and extra food and bottles and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, in in, in all seriousness, it, it is a challenge. Um, you suddenly need to carry a whole lot more stuff on you, uh, which is something I'm not used to. I'm used to having a bag and I'm good to go and my gun is on me and there's no hassle and no worry. Now you have a whole extra human and then you have the extra human stuff, which often is more than double the stuff that I carry for myself. Um, So it's, yeah, I actually posted a question on one of the ladies forums one day saying, help, I don't don't know what to do because there's just so much stuff. And I hope that someone would, reply and say actually you can cut it in half and you don't really need it and there's this wonderful bag that makes it seem all light and fluffy there's no such thing it doesn't exist so you end up just lugging everything around with you anyway um yeah (laughs) so it's actually quite a big adaptation or adaptation it really is you you also you're so aware of your own your own surroundings and looking after you it adds a whole nother factor to the equation. Now it's not just you. It's a, it's another whole human that you're keeping safe and you become hyper aware of everything, but you also need to be attentive to the small little human. It, it's really a challenge. Um, but in terms of actually carrying my firearm, I, I didn't, I didn't have any difficulty adjusting to that. I, I still carry my gun exactly where it used to be. So it's not going to change. So the biggest adaptation was having to deal with having that additional human with you. And that's obviously going to split up your vigilance, your vigilance and your awareness as well. I think that that is most definitely that and the stuff, the extra stuff, because you're walking from your tour from your car and you've got a kid and an extra whole bag with you and you're trying to coordinate all of that and remain aware. It's, it is a lot. Um, I think it's definitely something to get used to. I take my hat off to to people that have more than one kid because I, yeah, it's a, it really is a challenge. Um, overseas, there are some female instructors who offer courses specifically around um, not the carry of firearms, but the use of firearms in the presence of children. So lethal force use, but you have your child with you. 
Is there any such thing available in South Africa that you're aware of? Um, have you, do you think there is a need for that? Because obviously you, you need to get the kid away from you in that sort of an instance. And that requires some form of training so that you do that as opposed to trying to keep them with you during such an encounter. There are, I think there are instructors that offer um, sort of family orientated courses. Um, I think the best bet there would probably be Mark and Kelly Himan from um, Multidimensional Warriors down here in Cape Town. Um, I'm not sure upcountry who deals with those type of scenarios, but yeah, I think there is a lack. Um, there's definitely a gap in the market there. It's a good idea. I, I would I would definitely attend something like that because um, it, it is different. It's different to being with your spouse or, you know, a principal or... Someone who is autonomous versus small child who you need to, I don't want to say think for, but they they, they tend to follow you around. Uh. I I think they've got a Facebook page. It might be worth having a look. Um, They're in the States, but uh, John Johnson and Melody Lauer uh, have a company called Citizens Defense Research. Um, And and their big uh, focus is is on that. They have a, a class called the Armed Parent and Guardian. Um, both of them are really, really switched on people uh, and, and really solid instructors. And they've built a whole curriculum around that because it's something um, I, I would never be able to teach that because I don't have kids. So, I, I, you know, my, my response would be throw the child at the bad guy, then shoot his mate. Um, but apparently mothers <laughs> don't want to do that. Um, so if you can check out their stuff, uh, Ballistic Radio or, or Citizens Defense Research. Uh, to our listeners as well, there's there's some really good info, and, and uh, John's discussed it on his on his his podcast as well, which is Ballistic Radio. Um, I think with Melody, I'll try and find a link. Awesome. If so you are a local good. instructor and you offer these kinds of things uh, competently, and you yeah, competently, let us know. We'll we'll gladly mention you in a future episode um, uh, if you're competent. I think what I'll, what I'll do as well is, I mean, at the bunker, the whole idea was to to start hosting different trainers um, for various things. And I think I'll definitely be inviting Mark and Kelly back to see if they could offer offer such a course. Yep. I, I don't have children, but uh, I have watched some of, um, what is her name? Yeah. It eludes me. doesn't matter. Uh, I, I've watched some training courses around this on uh, Pantio, yeah. and it's a, it's a really different way of dealing with things compared to what I would typically do because I don't have children. You know, I, I need to just shoot the dude. I don't have to worry about all the, the, the additional things that need to be taken care of during this process. Like uh, it's, it's interesting. I think Definitely. it would be well worth having a, a conversation with it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That was a sick burn. I go, I don't have kids. And she goes, luckily, like. Caesar <laughs> <laughs> knows you better than you think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is a fact. Yeah, I'm never, never going to live this down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think an important lesson out of that, though, and I think it's something that, that uh, sometimes gets missed is, just because you're a mom doesn't mean that you can't carry an effective means of self-defense. And in fact, you once again, probably have more of a requirement um, than I do or Kune does or, or Gaz does. You know, you, you're going to, you can't just turn around and run away and, and, and leave the sprog behind. Um, mm. You can't throw them at them. You, you, you're, and, and it's, <clears throat> your options are limited. So I think it's, 
I think it's something for people to think about that once again, that 38 snub at home in the safe doesn't help when you've got three kids in the back of the car on the school run and someone decides to take your car with the kids in it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah not wrong. I think it's an important lesson. And I think, uh, you know, moms with kids, dads with kids, whatever you identify as with kids, uh, you need to look at, at, at ways to keep those, those kids safe. And you need to look at ways to make sure that you keep the kids safe from your gun. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than the, the, the unintended sort of consequence of uh, someone leaving a gun in a handbag and then leaving the kid in the car with a handbag doesn't happen here as often, but it, 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 that sort of thing can happen. You know, gun gets thrown in a handbag without a holster, kids digging in the handbag for a sweetie. It's, it's, a, it's something people don't, often don't think about and, and the cons- consequences can be pretty severe. There's also a, a little bit more on top of that other than just basic sort of firearm safety and, and keeping it out of small hands. Um, we know that criminals tend to target people who appear to be preoccupied. And we know that if you're looking after children and uh, they're being a little bit of a handful, you can sometimes be preoccupied and that might make you a slightly more appealing target to those people. Um, which is another reason why training would be a really great idea, even if you don't end up carrying a firearm, just getting some training in in the basics of uh, spotting criminals or potential criminals and and realizing that you need to get the hell out of there uh, before something transpires is is really good. And I, I know that there are many instructors in the country who do cover that, even though they don't specifically cover the uh, the, the children aspect. That's why I quite like, I'm going to mention them again because I do love their training, but Mark and Kelly do concentrate quite a bit on the psychology behind it. Um, so you identify possible threats and the psychology behind, you know, some of the, the characters that you might encounter. And it's it's important to to have someone that addresses that. But at the end of the day, I mean, we all carry firearms to have a fighting chance. So why would you not want that fighting chance with your kid? That's, I mean, there's no greater reason in the world for me um, to, to carry a firearm. That's fantastic. Absolutely. That's, that's right. a brilliant soundbite. But that really, that really is a, a fantastic point. And I think that's probably the, one of the most sort of important things that we've Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Derek's fucking up my editing again. <laughs> yeah. Timestamp, timestamp, timestamp. Let's try that again. I think that that was a fantastic point, and I think it's something that that uh, I'm really, really glad you brought up because people forget that sort of thing. Um, people sometimes I think get a little bit Pollyanna, and they go, "Well, no one will hurt me because I've got kids, or no one will hurt my kids." Um, and they forget that as a criminal, what a better way to get you to do whatever they want you to do um, by threatening your kids. Uh, so yeah. it, it's something important. I think I think it's 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 a message to some to people out there who are who are looking for a means of self defence. And if if you don't want to carry a gun, I'm not the gun police. I'm not going to tell you to carry a gun, but maybe it's worth considering carrying some pepper spray or. Um, as Aziza said, you know, being aware, being, or was it Kune? I, I'm not too sure. The, the girly we, we look um, substantially different. Yeah, but you're both about equally girly. Um, <laughs> 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 about that, that sort of 
awareness, alertness, because that, that's more important than, than any sort of tool. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really, really... Too often I get the people that come into the shop and they have a horror story because it's already too late. Mm. Um, I, I have sleepless nights over some of the stories I get to hear and I, I want to at least try and put myself in a position where I can prevent some of that from happening because people really, like, some of the stuff that happens is, is truly shocking. Um, and once it's happened, it's too late. I mean, what do you do from there? You're never going to undo that. And I think too many people think it'll never happen to me. Um, you know, I'm a nice person and, and bad things happen to nice people. Jen. And Generally, critically in South Africa, you're, you can't just go to the, uh, to the gun shop, pick up a gun or buy a gun and pick it up three or seven days later. I mean, you're nine months yeah. away from owning it as a first time owner, if you're lucky. Um, so you need to start that process. I'm going to say now, but as soon as possible, because once it's happened, it is too late. And uh, realistically, if you think you need it, you should probably have had it already. But that's again where it come, where the importance comes in of choosing a decent firearm for self-defense, because the mission you go through to own one and to license one is so massive or make it worthwhile and make sure that the one you've chosen is something that you're going to carry and something that you're going to be happy with for at least the next five years. Because if you're not, what's the point? Exactly. The, the hassle of getting things licensed in South Africa right now is like astronomical. So wasting your time on buying something suboptimal is ridiculous. Even if it is a fantastic firearm that you choose, buying that Glock 34 as your carry gun because you like it is not a great option because unfortunately carrying it is not going to happen. I think it's also, and, and this is a topic I've, I've had with, with a fair amount of men and women, even if your goal or your plan isn't initially to carry a gun. So if you, if you're buying a gun for self-defense and your plan initially is that I, I, I can't, a lot of people do the whole, Oh, I can't see myself carrying a gun thing. My advice is generally to get something you can carry. Um, even if it's just for that, your sister phones you at two o'clock in the morning, not at, under curfew, obviously, and says her tire, you know, she's got a flat tire. She's stuck on the her car's broken down on the side of the road. Or someone phones you, you know, one of your kids phones you and says they're, they're stuck somewhere and you, you've got to go out and help them. And then even if you're not the sort of person who considers everyday carry and a lot of people, a lot of gun owners aren't, at least it gives you an option. Um, you know, at, at times of heightened risk, and I'm not a big fan of heightened risk because quite often things happen at, at, when you're not expecting risk, but it gives you more choices than going out and buying that great big Beretta 92, which I have a massive soft spot for, because it felt nice in your hand and looked cool and lethal weapon. Uh, you know, it makes sense to have something that whichever gender you choose to be, um, you, you, you can carry the gun reasonably. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Aziza, this evening. We really, really appreciate you talking to us and, and taking time out of your day to, to chat to us. Uh, so we're going to leave the final thought for you. Um, whatever you want to chat about, plug, whatever, now's your perfect opportunity. Um, give, give our listeners some way of contacting you, uh, you know, the shop. I wouldn't give out your cell phone number. Um, but thanks again. We really appreciate your time this evening. 
Great stuff, guys. Thank you very, very much for having me and uh, for providing a very entertaining evening. Um, I think that we've discussed some cool topics tonight, so good going. And I would welcome anyone to contact us at the CHS Bunker by taking a look at our Facebook page, which is CHS Bunker, or they can give us a ring on our shop line, which is 83 25250097. And you can go ahead and bombard that number any time of the day. It is only manned during office hours. <laughs> wise choice. Very wise choice. <laughs> but, but, but in all seriousness, please, please do give us a like and give us a follow. We try and keep some good content on there too. Um, and keep following these crazy guys too, because they, they really know what they're talking about. Thank you um, for like bearing with us. We are a bunch of nutters and uh, we're no good at this podcasting thing, but we're really trying hard. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Aziza. Later, losers.